Back with you at Crimes, Conspiracies, and Beyond with myself, Jedi Todd, and producer Joe. What are the odds at winning at gambling? How about making over a million dollars and doing that within six months? What I want to know is how. Let's welcome our special guest, Bob Dancer, professional video poker expert and gambling author. Hi, good yeah. to be here. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming, coming on. on. So, so video poker is a casino game based on five card draw poker. It is played on a computerized console similar to a slot machine. It became popular in the late 70s and early 80s. People found it less intimidating than sitting at a table. And a few people that are very skilled in calculating odds have made money playing video poker. And we've talked about gambling a few times, Joe. It, I am amazed... 99% of the gamblers out there are just going to have fun, don't know what they're doing. The 1% or less that actually take the time to figure out odds and find anything to beat the game, I'm amazed by people like that. Yeah, uh, I'm terrible at gambling. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. Uh, over the summer, I made $300 betting on sports. And well, actually, I made $500. I took $300 and I immediately just put it in my bank account. And I just played with the house money for a while and it only lasted two more days. That's how quick that went, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I have an ability Todd where I lose and I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to try to make it all like I'm out. I'll, I'll yeah. take some time to gather my, I might not come back to it for a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob, how did you um, start playing games or gambling did you start as a little kid i did as a boy i had health issues and so stayed home a lot from school so i read books on how to play games my dad would play chess and checkers with me uh i read everything i could find about scrabble and poker and all these kind of games i would practice 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 and then invite my little brother to play with me he was two and a half years younger and mm -hmm. now we're both in our 70s and two and a half years doesn't mean anything but when you're seven and he's four and a half it makes a big difference so i think <laughs> it's really good and i enjoyed that were there any games at the beginning when you started doing research that you thought you could beat did you have it all figured out with the odds well, I knew I was better than most of the people I was playing. I did play some people my own age. They were tougher to beat. But I had played enough chess and things. So the week the report cards went out in school, nothing got done. And so people would bring chess boards or checkerboards or whatever. And I was the best kid in junior high school and then high school at those games. So I didn't get into cards, poker until I was in college. And it took a while. It there was an expensive learning curve. I never got really good at poker, but I I can beat total novices, but nobody with any kind of a clue, I, I don't have a chance against. Now, did you grow up in Vegas? I grew up in, in greater Los Angeles and uh, Gardena to start with and Torrance, which are both Southwest sites. 
Jedi, do you live near any of those? No, that's like, I think, two hours away. I am in Northern California, Southern California, one hour away from San Diego. So. so so, when did you start trying to make money at this? Well, I first gambled in college, and but we were playing really low stakes. But I was interested in winning and wasn't really that good at it. The... The first gambling game that I started playing for significant stakes was backgammon. I uh, had seen a an article in Playboy magazine that I I, I subscribed to for the articles, and <laughs> it's about uh, about backgammon, and it talked about Hugh Hefner playing with Billy Eisenberg and a few other people I well I'd heard of Hef, but uh, and I decided I could do this. I went into the bookstore and bought every backgammon book I could find, which were pretty rudimentary. Um, some very good people, uh, Oswald Jacoby and John Crawford, who were experts on a lot of games, had written one, but it was still elementary information compared to what was going to come along later. And But I mastered everything there, practiced, and um, when I got laid off in um, from a job, I decided I there was a backgammon club near me in Los Angeles, and I decided I could make my millions. Did, did, did you make a lot of money playing backgammon? In the early days, well, early days for me were, say, 73 through 76, something like that. At that point in Los Angeles, anyway, backgammon was played in discos. It was, there was, it was a social game, and so you go to discos. And people would not take the game seriously. And so people who had studied the game had a huge, huge edge. So I got my um, bell bottoms and my floral <laughs> print uh, shirts and uh, long hair. And I took some, um, some hustle lessons so I could fit in more. And I would go to play backgammon. And I did quite well there. So uh, every game you played or learned, you studied it well. Oh, yes. Yeah, you studied it well. There is no such thing as playing a game just for fun. (laughs) It is, um, I have played so many, so many tens of thousands of hours in games that um, I'm in it to win. And some games I can figure out pretty quickly, like tic-tac-toe. It doesn't take you long to figure that one out. But games with strategies, it takes a while. And so I have to study and figure it out and play by myself and read what anybody else has said. And so the information is out there, but this is has been for me a job, a vocation since um, since the 70s, where wow. uh, yeah. this was <laughs> this is what I did. And most of us don't treat it like a job. And that's why, Joe, when you go to Vegas, they have like replica Statue of Liberties built and pyramids with all of our money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this that's is kind of like Statue of Liberty. This, yeah, right. This, this is sort of like competitive eating, too, where like you don't even know you're good at it until you try it. And you're like, oh, I think I'm good at this but you you don't know and the more you play people the more you realize how good you are right because you you just wouldn't know that that you're naturally good at at backgammon um you you do need to play people or um in some games um video poker which came much much later in the uh, 
thing. They have computer programs and you can play against the computer and you can get to know whether you are 95% accurate or 99% accurate. And so you can get knowledge about whether or not you're good. But um, in most games, it takes competition. And um, yeah, so nowadays, we have all the information kind of at our fingertips. Now you had to figure it out before the internet and before all these books were written, right? Yeah, well, I wrote the books. Pretty much in video poker, I'm required reading. The, there's there's 10 books out there with my name on it. And uh, so serious players know who I am. And many of them have studied the book. And the computer software available today that was certainly not available back then. And so now you can get a strategy basically instantaneously from the computer programs that would have taken me hundreds of hours to figure out. But the games are much tighter. So there's always been a small part of the population who can figure out the games well enough to beat. Now, the games are not as easy to beat now as they were before, but the information is there. So there's still about the same percentage of people who can beat the games. You uh, even created strategy cards, right? Strategy cards. Right. Uh, Yes. And you can take those into the casinos with you. And now you can get them decent enough quality instantaneously. Uh, the wizard of odds.com will give you a strategy for free that is a hundred percent accurate and it's cumbersome and it is hard to use, but it's free and it's accurate. And those are really tough things to compete with. If you're uh, trying to sell your own strategy cards. Did you quit any games? Did you try to make money at games and end up quitting them for any reason? Yeah, a lot of them. I no longer play chess. I no longer play checkers. I moved to Vegas to be a blackjack counter. And several casinos rather quickly invited me to go do something else with my life. (laughs) And so I went to Gambler's Bookstore and tried to find something I could beat. I was willing to work very, very hard so I didn't have to go get a job and came across video poker. I tried blackjack for a long time. I tried poker and mastered everything I could and figured I didn't have the personality. I didn't have the uh, the poker face. I didn't have the social skills to read you when you are bluffing and when you're not. And those things are every bit as important as knowing the math. Yeah. So, um, yep. What do you what do you think of if you're trying to count cards about the de- uh, about the pit bosses pulling you aside and saying you can stay here if you bet the same amount every hand? Do you think that should be allowed, or do you think if you can figure it out, you should be allowed to do whatever you want? Well, it's the rules of the game. Uh, casinos are allowed to restrict or eliminate anybody they want, so long as it's not because of reasons of race or yeah sex or there are certain restricted mm-hmm. categories but even if there was a um, if it was that you did not want this this green person in your casino you can just say you're too good for us you're not welcome here anymore you don't wow. have to say i'm kicking you out because you're green the um so yes they can eliminate anybody so these are so there are people who get very very mad at this but it's just the air we breathe if you want to play the game you need to do that, and they can kick you out in video poker and sports betting and any game that you can beat the casino. The casino can and will remove players for beating them. Casinos do not like winning players. 
Now, what I'm what I'm interested in is how you can find a game where maybe there's a tiny edge for the house, but you can get the comps to make up for that. Can you tell us about like the best comps? I've heard you talk on Vsin about how crazy it used to be. You could get tickets for anything and sell them. And can you tell us about some really good deals you got? Well, the comps are are short for complimentary. Uh, it starts out as RFB, room, food, and beverage. So you can get that for free. And those things are valuable if you live out of town. You need a place to stay. You need you need to eat. If you live in, I live in Vegas, so free hotel rooms in Vegas are not worth so much to me. Casinos can give you either cash back or free play where they give you a certain amount of return for betting. If they gave you 1%, which would be a very generous uh, level of cashback these days, and you're playing a 99.5% game, then the player has a half percent edge off the top, basically in cash, where they get the 99.5% game if they can play it perfectly, which I can, and the casino gives them an extra 1%. Now, they also sometimes give you mailers where they send you money, you know, come in and play a thousand dollars and we'll play. And we want you to play and we'll give you a thousand dollars for showing up. They can send you airfare back during my um, million dollar six months, which was in 2000, 2001, uh, mainly at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Uh, the game they played was a, was a 99 and a half percent game. It was nine, six jacks or better. And the cashback level, if you played big enough, was 0.8%, which made it a positive game. Plus, they had year-end bonuses of an extra 0.3%, which made more. You could turn it into things to buy. I played enough that I ended up getting six cars out of the MGM Grand. (laughs) Wow! They gave you American Airline miles. So uh, my wife at the time and I each are platinum level for life at American Airlines. And so we just, we didn't ever flew flights and we just had millions and millions and millions of air miles. The, um, we could get show tickets to anywhere. Um, I could get 10 fight tickets to any fight I wanted to. So there were, Mike Tyson was pretty big back then. And um, there were a few other people. Now I didn't, I'm not a fight fan, but I had somebody who would take all the fight tickets I could at 50% face value. And he was doing well because he could sell them for much, much more than that. But I could clear five or $10,000 cash a couple times a month. We could get uh, show tickets. We could get meals to very fancy restaurant. And people are willing to pay for these things. And the, uh, we could get show tickets. When I started, the, I started near New Year's of just before New Year's of uh, 2000. And so Barbara Streisand was coming out of retirement to do this New Year's Eve show. And it was $3,000 a ticket. We can get four of them and uh, used two and sold two. And um, the same weekend we got, there was this band, it's called the Eagles. I don't know if you heard of them. There was this uh, Tina Turner concert. And so we went to concerts every night with pretty A-level comps and as many as we wanted. And we never paid for meals. They have rooms. Hotel rooms are easy. They have a place called the Mansion at the MGM. The Mansion has 29 rooms. The uh, We only stayed in the smallest one. The bathroom in, in the smallest one was bigger than my first apartment. <laughs> it had two TVs in the bathroom, heated floors. Uh, the um, It was just gorgeous. So we would see... Uh, 
Tiger Woods in the hallway because he, when he stayed, he would stay in the mansion and he'd have two bodyguards walking with him. And so they always got between me and me and him, like I'm this big threat. So, uh, yeah. so I just kind of nodded my head and uh, he'd nod back. And that's how I know Tiger Woods. We nod. He, uh, <laughs> he has no idea who I am. And, uh, but other than that, I stayed in the mansion. He was he was a table game player. So he uh, I was a video poker player. So he never came in the, the high limit slot area where I played. So he didn't know anything about me. Joe, can you pull up the um, the graphic where it shows how much Vegas makes on each type of gambling? So in, in 2019, Nevada made one point one billion on blackjack, a little over four hundred million on craps, three seventy on roulette, a billion on baccarat. 329 million on sports and the penny slots are always at the top of the list 3.4 billion so where in this list does video poker fall is it none of these well, i don't know if, if penny slots includes all slots so video poker is in the slot department okay so that may be i'm not familiar with that particular chart but the slot department includes video poker in all denomination so can you tell us about some of the variants when you started playing like the down swings and then maybe up to your big hits? I know you, what's your biggest 400,000. I want to hear about that. I want to know if it was a Royal flush or four aces. How do you get that payout? Well, a, a Royal flush typically when you're betting five coins, which is the normal bet is 4,000 coins. So if you are a $400,000 Royal is you're betting hundred dollar coins uh, five hundred times, so it's five hundred dollars oh a God. a play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um, so uh, three of a kind pays fifteen hundred. Straights pay two thousand. Flushes pay three thousand. In this particular game, all four of a kinds pay twelve thousand five hundred. Straight flushes pay twenty five thousand. So different games have different payouts. So that particular game was uh, we had an advantage and a bigger advantage than usual because the game was marked as a slot machine, not a video poker machine in the computer system. So they gave us an extra almost half percent. So that turned into uh, $75,000 cash extra and two PT cruisers because they misprogrammed whether the machine was a video poker machine or a slot machine. Yes. The slot department executives at that time were arithmetically challenged, which was wonderful. The, if you, to be good at gambling, you need to, to be decent at math because most gambling is applied math. Figuring out which games to play and how to play it is a whole lot like word problems. So people who hated word problems when they were in school should consider careers other than gambling the because um, you're not going to be good at them. But they, on this game of 99.5% with a slot with cashback, they gave 3% comps. Now, we were playing about $100,000 coin in an hour, which means $3,000. So we were had the advantage wow. we were getting three thousand dollars in comps which is what paid for all these fight tickets which is what paid for all these extra rooms and show tickets all over town and meals and all kinds of things and it was use them and lose them so we used them so you were doing this when you weren't you didn't have a job or did you have a, a job or a part-time job during this time well i couldn't afford to go to work the, uh, <laughs> when when the mgm was doing this we knew it was a matter of time because we knew how well we were doing. And so eventually they were going to pull the plug. Either 
pull the plug on the machines, on the slot club, or on our welcome. I mean, it was only a matter of time. Uh, and so we just kept playing it. So I was playing 80 hours a week at this. Uh, Shirley was playing not so much, 30 or 40 hours, though. She wasn't, and I played a whole lot faster than she did. But we would, we'd have weekends, and our typical weekend was we'd win 40,000, or next weekend we'd win 30, next weekend we'd win 50, and then we'd lose 15,000. And Shirley was convinced the damn casino was cheating us. So she'd get really, really upset about this. I was going, look at the big picture we're doing for, or crushing them. She goes, I know, but we lost 15,000. We could buy another car with us. Shirley, we're doing fine. And eventually we, uh, $400,000 jackpot, which was a Royal, and on a smaller machine, uh, we got a $25,000, $25 machine, which was $100,000 for Royal. We got them both on the same night. That was a half million in Royals. And that was basically the beginning of the end. The, uh, we only lasted a month longer. And then they invited us not to play there anymore. Oh, wow. How, now, I wonder, how do taxes work when you have the big, like every time you have a decent hit, do you have to get a W-2? Like if you get a $12,500 hit here and there, how does that work? Yes, you get a W2G every time you get at least $1,200. A lot Even of on different... a $500 a pull? Yes. There are games where you can get, you can bet $1,250 a hand and you just get your money back and you get a W2G. Oh, wow. Uh, like if you, were, if you were playing roulette and you put $600 on red, $600 on black, and on the times you didn't get the zero, you'd get $1,200 of jackpot. But you'd basically be breaking even because yeah, well. you're betting 1200 and getting 1200 You owe W2G, and sometimes you get zero if you got one of the zeros. And there, there are people who do that, and I don't understand it. So there's a lot of different ways to handle the W2Gs. Some issue each one individually. They pay you in cash. Some uh, do what they call an aggregate log, where every time you get it, they just write the number down. They can pay you cash. Some can pay you tickets like a slot ticket and some allow you they have key to credit which would mean um yes they record it and then they key the machine and it just shows up as credits uh so you're playing a hundred dollar machine and you hit a jackpot for 125 credits which was 112,500. once you've initialed that you received it they key it and the 125 just goes onto the machine they have some machines where today you can you have your pin number like like on an ATM machine. And once you sign up for it, every time you get a jackpot, you enter your PIN number, it goes on your aggregate log, goes in and you could be on. So each W2G, it takes less than 30 seconds. So yeah. um, there are other times where they will have somebody sit behind you and record everyone. So on a $100 machine, approximately every third hand, you get a jackpot. Yeah. And so somebody's behind it, just writing down whatever it is you got, you know, wow. three of a kind and they click that box and they know that's 1500. And that's a flush, yeah. that's a full house. Wow. That's, that's nothing, damn it. Uh, so whatever yeah. they have. And so there's other ways to handle this. So, but yeah. it doesn't take 10 minutes for each one. Right. Now, when you first figured out this slot club and all these benefits, did you have to get backers? I got, attempted to, and there are times that I did use backers briefly until I did well enough I didn't have to do it. Uh, when I learned about the MGM Grands thing, I heard about them from a, I got a postcard sent to various Las Vegas residents for people who didn't have an MGM card, which I didn't at the time. I played at other casinos. They got double points for a couple of weeks between Thanksgiving and 
Christmas, which is a slow time in Vegas. And I went and looked and they had $25 machine, which is $125 a hand. This is more than I could comfortably play. So I started going around asking anybody interested in backing me and having some part of this and I couldn't find anybody. And so Shirley and I decided that we would we had 50,000 that we decided we would do go with that. Now that 50,000 is not enough to play that game for long term. But um, wow. if we lost that, we'd quit. We end up hitting a Royal early for 100,000 and, and never looked back and just kept going. How is video poker different from today? How was the video poker back in the 90s different than the, in the 20s, the 2020s? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yes, yes. Uh, the machines are, the basics of the game are the same. They do have now triple play, five play, 10 play, 100 play. So there are versions, there are variants. They have games called Ultimate X and Quick Quads and a few varieties. The biggest difference, though, is that uh, they're much tighter. The slot clubs pay less. I mentioned a 1% slot club now is 0.1. The games of 9-6 jacks or better were common up and down the strip. Now they're not so common. So they they have games that are 99.2 instead of 99.5. Uh, they give less, far, far, far less comps. So even the player who plays the games perfectly deals with much smaller edges than he did 20 years ago. But it is hmm. there's enough edge out there that there's an I mean there are several thousand of us who uh, who do well at video poker. It's uh, I don't know what percentage it is and and there's no place that we all report our scores so that I, I can't tell you if it's closer to 600 people or 6000 who are beating the who are beating the casinos well, but um quite a few people are doing it. So you've taught what over 100,000 people and are you still teaching now? I wish. Um, I taught for eight years at the South Point Casino, which was a, I taught for more than 25 years total. And it would have two 10-week semesters a year, and which stopped during the pandemic. Obviously, you couldn't gather. And when the pandemic uh, was over, casinos in Vegas started giving a lot, lot less comps. And the South Point decided they did not want to continue to do sponsor the video poker classes. So right now, mm -hmm. I do not have a place to teach. I'm always interested in a casino which has good games and wants to teach. I'm a writer for the Las Vegas Advisor, which brings in people from all over the country. And so there are a lot of people in my classes who were from Ohio or Texas or New York, and they were going to sit through any video poker class I had. Even if that was a game they never played, they wanted to come to a Bob Dancer class. So there's a built-in audience for any casino that wants to have me teach classes. I have taught at places across the country who don't have particularly beatable video poker, but are willing to have a video poker tournament. A video poker tournament requires much, much different skills than playing video poker in a casino. And so sometimes they bring me in to teach how to do well in a video poker tournament. People come and they listen and they learn and they uh, sometimes will get one or more of my books as a gift from the casino. And so the casino can they don't really care who wins the video poker tournament. They budgeted such and such amount for the promotional weekend and players come in and play. And so that still happens. It, I don't have any of these currently going on, but it will it's happen. Kinda like, yeah. win. It's kind of like a blackjack tournament. It's a completely different strategy. You're splitting tens and everything to get as much money as you can. I'm guessing video poker tournaments kind of like the same type of thing. Yeah. And in blackjack, you might double down on a, 
on a 20, uh, or, you know, double down on a 19 and a king nine on the last hand, you might double down on it if that's the only way that you can possibly win. Now, usually yeah. you go broke, but in a tournament, it doesn't really, if they play 10 places, being 11th and being 500th is a tie and it's all the yeah. ties were zero. And that's a whole different game than if 500 players, the one who does 11th best, well, that person has won quite a bit of money. But yeah. not, not in a tournament if the tournament only plays 10 deep. Right. So what would you say is the number one secret to gambling? Just learn the game like you did? Learning the game is part of it. And the big, the biggest secret is don't play unless you have the advantage. If you don't know whether or not you have the advantage, then I promise you, you don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I went to I went to the Venetian to play a thousand dollar buy in uh, poker tournament, and I had a friend that was so disciplined. We got there, he looked at the structure, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm not playing. I don't like the the structure, the blind structure." And he didn't play. He was disciplined like that. He knew it wasn't in his favor, and there was no overlay. And yeah, it it's it may not have been against in that in that case. It, it may um, if there was no overlay. You know, he had, it was an even money bet if he was an average player, but it could have been a structure that he didn't like. Uh, in yeah, poker exactly. tournaments, you can you can have deep tournaments where the antes are very small compared to the buy-ins, and you can have others where it's going to be over in two hours because of the anti-structure. So it could be one that he didn't prefer. Uh, there are some yeah. poker structures that emphasize skill more than luck. And others mm -hmm. that emphasize a lot more than skills. And different people have different preferences. Yeah. Now, Joe, you'll like this. We have, uh, Bob, we had this guy on a couple times, Jim Fetzer. He's one of the biggest conspiracy theorists <laughs> in the world. Uh, now, he always tells us how the Las Vegas shootings was a big hoax and stuff. But didn't the FBI contact you because the Las Vegas shooter was also a video poker player? That did happen. The shooting happened October 1st. 2017, which is almost exactly five years ago today, as it, there was a guy in uh, in the MGM, excuse me, uh, Mandalay Bay, up on very high, and there was this outdoor concert next door, and he took his rifles and killed 40-some people and injured hundreds more. And he, he was, and eventually there was a shootout in the room, and he got killed. He was a, um, he was a video poker player. He had actually purchased a lot of my books from the um, Las Vegas advisor, which is Huntington Press, the same organization. And so the FBI was didn't know video poker had anything which causes people to to go do such things. And so they went around and started asking players if there's one person who might know a video, uh, high stake video poker player, who would it be? And my name came up numerous times as because I'm not the best video poker player, but I'm the best known one. I'd written the books and I had taught classes and other people who were as good or better than me kind of tried to stay beneath the radar so nobody knew who they were. So the FBI contacts me and, and as it happened, I was on a cruise ship pulling out of the Boston Harbor. We were going to Quebec through uh, various U.S. and Canadian ports. It's called a, uh, a leaf-changing a tour happens in September, this is mid-October. And so I was on the ship and when they called me and I told them that 
that I'm going north out of the ship and I don't have any idea how long the cell phone's going to last. It could be cut off at any point. The ship's supposed to pull into Bar Harbor at nine o'clock in the morning. I'm in room number, whatever it was. And if we're not done and they still want to talk to me, uh, they can call me in that room in the morning and they can talk or send one of their agents to the pier and meet me. But I'll talk as long as they wanted. Basically, they wanted to know, did I know this guy? And the answer was no. I never even heard his name before I'd seen the, uh, the newspaper reports. Is there anything about video poker that causes people to go crazy? I was going, no, there are some bad losers. A losing streak can bring out the worst in people. This is, this is the worst of the worst. When people are losing, they turn into liars and overeaters and they might steal or they might, you know, hurt somebody. So they, losing brings out the worst of your personality and everybody goes through losing streaks and different people handle it differently. This guy handled it very poorly. So that I gave him enough information that they never contacted me again. So I guess they believe me, which is fortunate. Did not want them to okay. uh, interrogate me, however they do it. So why do you go by Bob Dancer is not your name, right? And why do you go by that? Uh, it's a couple questions. I do dance. Uh, I was a country western dance teacher decades ago, basically in a uh, in a yuppie bar in uh, Santa Monica, California, where people were more interested in whether or not they're getting laid tonight than whether or not they learned how to two step. <laughs> and so. Um, but but I like to dance and was good at it. And so that's why I picked the name Dancer. I had come to video poker away from blackjack and casinos were kicking out blackjack players right and left, and they still are. At that time, they were not kicking out video poker players. They do now. So I figured if I could disguise myself, I wouldn't they wouldn't know who I was. So I put on a cowboy hat, uh, picked a different name. It was kind of spur of the moment and uh, and of course, one of the casinos I played at went and looked at me, and it took them about two seconds to recognize me. <laughs> but uh, kind of like Ocean's Eleven, huh? <laughs> something. And so, but I kept the name, and I still use it, and I still write books under it. And Bonnie and I, Bonnie's my current wife. She and I are square dancers, and so I use it in square dancing. And I'm I compete at storytelling, and so I use Bob Dancer name as a storyteller, and I. And I belong to an improv troupe in Vegas, and so I use Bob Dancer as my name there. So it's a, um, it's not the name on my driver's license, but it is me. And so on our podcast, Gambling with an Edge, the uh, we have, there's an attorney, Bob Nersessian, on who we asked him about pseudonyms. And so any name you use regularly that isn't meant to defraud it's legal to use the name. So Bob Dancer is a legal name. It is just not happened to be on my driver's license. So for W2Gs, though, they want the name on my driver's license. Yeah. What is Gambling with an Edge about? What else do you talk about on yeah. there? Thank you for asking. This is a weekly podcast. Um, I'm a co-host with Richard Munchkin. Richard Munchkin has been a table game phenomenal player for like 45 years. And he and I are both multimillionaires from gambling. And but we bring different skills to the so on when it's video poker, I'm obviously the expert, but on table games he is, and I'm I'm mainly in the comic relief where I have to uh, I have to tell the jokes. And w the guests are usually successful gamblers. They can be into poker, they can be blackjack, they can be sports betting, they can be roulette, uh beating roulette, they can be there can be other things. They can be authors of books. 
They can be attorneys. We've had people on from IGT. IGT makes something like 85% of the video poker machines out there. And so we had people from them. There are people who specialize in, um, in credit card bonuses where you, you churn so much money through credit cards and you can get whole bunches of stuff. And so the, the people who do the credit card churning are every bit as much as successful gamblers as, uh, as people in the casino. We've had people who do hedge funds, who run hedge funds. And, uh, and the stock market is very, very, very much a, a big casino. It has a lot in common with uh, casino gambling, only for much bigger stakes. I have a question. It seems like you've been so successful with gambling, but was there any time in your life where you, you were like, maybe I should go to Gamblings Anonymous? <laughs> you know? Was there any way, any time in your life where it, it presented a problem? But From me, from my side of it, never. Mm -hmm. Never, uh, wow. The, uh, the gambling, um, I never- Because it's like a job. I never thought I had a problem in gambling. Now, there are people I was, when I was single, there was a lady I was dating who thought anybody who gambled that much must be, must have a problem. So she wanted me to go to Gamblers Anonymous. And I go, I don't have a problem with gambling. It's not out of control. But Gamblers Anonymous makes, gives you a list of how do you know if you're a problem gambler? And uh, if you score maybe I think there's 12 questions. And if you score more than one, then you may be, you know, and I score about seven. Uh, <laughs> you know, the idea, you know, have you ever lost more than you were comfortable losing? Yes. You know, have you ever missed work because you're gambling too much? Yes, I have stayed out all night and, and called in sick the next day. And so there's an, a number of things. But I have never considered myself to be a problem gambling. I consider myself to be a winning gambler. I, um, I've been married now for eight years. And so when I met uh, Bonnie, started dating, you know, 10 years ago or so, she was early 70s and I was late 60s at the time. So I'm her boy toy, I guess. <laughs> we, um, she had a, a daughter and a sister who were very concerned about um, her getting involved with a professional gambler because they figured however much money I had, I would go through that and then go after hers, which actually meant after theirs because they, they stand to inherit a bit from Bonnie if, um, yeah. if she still has some, which she, which she will. And so Bonnie didn't think that was going to happen. And mm -hmm. Bonnie at the time was starting to become slightly demented, uh, senior dimensions, senior, is that it? I'm missing a word. Senior dimensions is an insurance plan. Dementia. It's not Alzheimer's. Dementia. Yeah, good. Senior dementia. Thank you. And so she's not as sharp as she used to be. And she she was a nurse for 40 years. And so at one time was was a head nurse and quite bright. But she's very forgetful and things. And so her her heirs, who are you know 20 some years younger, are worried about her. And they were concerned that that this. Uh, smooth talking gambler who was going to uh, take her for a ride and so <laughs> over time they have um <laughs> they've come to believe that uh that i'm good for bonnie and i'm taking care of her and uh and things are fine but it was uh it was touch and go for a while whether or not they yeah. were going to uh give their blessing to this 
Do you have any bad beat stories, like, I don't know, flopping, uh, getting four aces or something and throwing one away by accident or something that cost you a lot of money or any type of bad beat? Because I'm always interested in those. In video poker, there, there are machine malfunctions where you're dealt three aces and you hold all three of them and hit the button and one of them went away, but another ace comes where four aces is going to play just a whole bunch more than three aces. So usually casinos will give you credit for the four aces. And so you do have a discussion on your hands and it depends on the situation. So there are those kind of things. And there's a, been a number of those through the years. There are many times where I go into a, a game with a, a 2% edge and I lose, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 over the, uh, over the game. And that happens. And, and it happens the other way too. Uh, earlier this summer, uh, I was playing a game with a very small edge, and you know, for the lower week, and I ended up two hundred thousand ahead. And so the swings go both ways, and so it was fluky, lucky that that happened. So it it goes both ways, and so. So if yeah. you're playing $100,000 an hour, how does it go now? Do you have, you're not constantly feeding hundreds in. How does it work? Do they load the machine up when you give them money or? Well, I'm not playing games of that size currently. Most of the casinos with games that size encourage me to go play elsewhere. But some, you know, give them $50,000 and however you do it, there's a number of ways to do it. And they'll just load it onto the machine. Mm -hmm. There are others who pay you in tickets of you know five thousand dollars or ten thousand oh the vouchers yeah they yeah they look very much like a uh well if you've been to a casino and a slot machine they'll spit you out a ticket and one that's is for twenty thousand looks a whole lot like one that says 20 cents but it has a few more zeros on it but the ticket yeah. itself is the same size and um and so you can feed it in and so you can download money from them at some places where you just put in your PIN number. And if you have the, the money set up on what they call front money and you want to download 10, 50, 100,000, whatever the limit is for your particular casino, that's easily done. So um, in the good old days, though, we fed machines and there are some casinos right. where you still have to do it. And so on games and you're still paid. Now, I play a lot at the South Point, which is probably the best place for average gamblers to play in las vegas they have more than uh ten thousand games returning 99 percent. so if you don't really know how to tell the difference between good games and bad games that's the place where you're most likely to be on a game where you, ha you have a chance and they still pay everything in cash mm. and and each w2g is separate they don't have slot tickets you can get and so um if there was going to be a game triple point day or something where a game was extra good and there's one you're playing $60 a hand the day before I would go into that casino and create tickets. They would go up to $3,000. So I would feed in $300 bills, get a ticket and feed in $300 bills and get another ticket, feed in $300 bills and get another mm -hmm. ticket. So I would start the session with maybe 40 or $50,000 in tickets. They wouldn't create it and then they would go. And so, and then, you play and you'd lose, but then they'd pay you cash. So they would turn into cash eventually. And so if there's a machine next door to you, well, I get good at playing with my right hand and feeding tickets into my left hand with, <laughs> to the adjacent machine. And sometimes I would have Bonnie come by and it'd be her job to create tickets and I'd get paid and she'd go create some tickets and I'd get paid and she'd go create some tickets. 
Do you uh, do any rituals when you play the game? Because I, you know, when I go to the casino, sometimes you know, you, people have these certain rituals that they do when they're touching the machine. Is there a certain mind frame you go in when you when you play? Well, I don't walk around the machine three times. Uh, <laughs> I put a picture of grandkids up on top, partly because I don't have any grandkids. My ritual is to be well rested. I won't have any have had any alcohol for at least 24 hours before I play. I exercise regularly. I still run. I'm 75 years old, but still go to the gym regularly and run. Not very fast, but I run. I, I, well, I still run as well as I used to. It just takes me longer to get there. And so being as healthy as I can and being um, as alert as I can, making sure I know the strategy. Um, there are so many different games in, in video poker. There's jacks are better, there's deuces wild, there's double-double bonus, there's triple-double bonus, there's da-da-da-da-da-da. There's a lot of them, and nobody's good at all of them. And so there are times that, that each casino has its own best games, so you have to prepare. So I will sometimes, even though I knew the game perfectly a while ago, if I haven't played it for three or more months, my memory at age 75 is not as good as it used to be. So I'll practice, excuse me, I'll practice half hour or so on the computer uh, getting up to stuff before I go there. Because the machine's always at its best. I'm only at my best, relatively small percentage of the time. So I guess you call that a ritual. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe and I live near Foxwoods. Uh, back, Joe, it's been over, I think it's been 31 years it's been there. Now, even 20 years ago, Bob, you, you couldn't get anywhere near a table on a Friday or Saturday night. And nowadays, you can walk in and get any table you want. It's not like it used to be. Joe, don't you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Much different atmosphere these days. What's it like in Vegas? Is it like that? or? Well, different casinos are more crowded than others. Uh, so a lot of what you're saying is more a Foxwood problem than it is a nationwide problem. Before, Foxwood was the only show in town. The Mohegan Sun wasn't there, and it was new and shiny. Well, 31 years old, it's, it's not so new and shiny anymore, and there's a lot, lot more casinos close by. And so it was the only game in New England area for a long time, and that's just not true anymore. They have casinos in Massachusetts and Rhode Island and various other places. So Vegas has casinos that are still very crowded, and it has some that are... There's more employees than there are customers. Depends on how well run it is. Mm -hmm. It's funny. Every once in a while, I hear my dad talk about Vegas when someone wants to go there. My father hasn't been there since probably 1980. So he still thinks it is like it was then. He goes, oh, you go out to this place, $3 steak dinner. They give you $10 a quarter for the slots. I'm like, dad, I think Vegas, isn't it kind of a ripoff now to go out to eat? A ripoff. The, they have competitive prices. So I don't know that it is any more expensive to eat in Vegas than it is in any city in the United States. There are, now if you want to eat at the nicest steakhouse on a strip casino, yeah, you're going to pay for it. But mm -hmm. it is, uh, but it's equivalent to the nicest steakhouse in whatever city you're at. It's just that mm -hmm. Vegas has 30 of them. And so there's a <laughs> lot of really uh, fancy so I, I don't know whether New Orleans or Vegas has more quality places to eat, but it's um, there's a lot of them, and and many of them are expensive. And they still outside of town. There's more than a, you know, something like two million live in Greater Vegas, and we have all the McDonald's and the Arby's and the Applebee's and the Olive Gardens and whatever level you want. 
that aren't in the casinos. But for those of us who play in the casinos, frequently food comp dollars are part of the deal. So you can eat for free in casinos if you play enough there. If you're not a competent player, you're better off paying retail somewhere else because it's uh, it's more expensive to get free. You know, you can have an $800 free buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Will you play anything if you knew, if I said, hey, I get this game right now and here are the odds and you can see there's an edge. Will you play in it or do you have to be interested in it? Well, I have to, number one, I have to be interested in it. And number two, I, it's got to be sufficiently above. There's some quarter games in Vegas that if you play them perfectly, you have an edge of about $7 an hour. I never want to stop at those. I'm interested yeah. in the bigger game. If you, they have a 100% game though, in 100% machines that you could play whenever you come to Vegas and, uh, and you'd have really even odds. And uh, so if you don't know what you're doing, it, this is a safe machine to play. It's called a change machine. You put in a $20 bill and you get out four fives. And then you put in one of the fives and you get out five ones. And this is a hundred percent game as long until it runs out of money. And you can play that all day long. <laughs> now, if they put a slot club on it, there are people who would play that. I get bored pretty quick with that game. Uh, have you ever got into the horses or no? I've not been on horses uh, recreationally. <laughs> uh, I have backed some tips by people I respect. And so I've had bets on the Kentucky Derby where somebody I respected said, this is a good bet. So most, most of the sports betting that I've done has been at the guidance of people more knowledgeable than me. So any kind mm -hmm. of sports and race book, sports books and race books are not the same thing. But uh, those on my own, I'm not smart enough or knowledgeable enough to beat those games. Um, they are beatable and they're you need to work every bit as hard as I work on video poker to do it. And there are people who do that, but I'm not one of them. I don't know if I told you guys my all-time biggest gambling win. I had $22,000 on a horse race. They took out 5,100 in taxes. I got a little, I got a little over 16,000 after they took the taxes out. That's nuts. Yeah. And you're, you'll be telling that story until the day you die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a, I have a few good ones, but I'm not including the few hundred bad ones. Yeah. Yeah. Most people but, have their their favorite ones. I, I wrote a book about my million dollar run and uh what was that like? What was that half a million dollar night like? Well, uh, how long you got <laughs> how long we got? Um it happened to be the they have, for one year they had the ESPYs in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand during my run there. And I had thirteen tickets that on really good seats to go to the ESPYs. Um, ESPYs, for those who don't know, is like the Tonys or the Oscars, except it deals with sports. It's mm -hmm. sponsored by ESPN. And so afterwards, some people I was with wanted to see the mansion, which is where we were. And they thought it would be kind of exciting to come see uh, a scamble. So we went down and took about 20 minutes to hit a $100,000 Royal. And uh, they were a lot, lot more excited than I was. And they figured that evening was complete. Why Why would I continue playing? I said, we have a really big edge here. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we're alert. We're in, there's no reason to go to bed. And 20 minutes later, we hit the 400,000. Oh. And we figured, um, well, maybe it's time to go to bed. <laughs> so um, we, uh, we, we weren't real noisy about it. We, Shirley and I kind of looked at each other, uh, mouth dropped, uh, kind of, 
oh my God, and some um, suspicious uh, first conversations. Well, what, what are we going to do with this? So she was not sure that I was never going to go broke. So she wanted to pay off the house. And so we had a, I don't know, $200,000 mortgage at that time. And so I, I did not think it was a good use of the money investment wise, but for her peace of mind, when mama's happy, everyone's happy. So, uh, so we, we paid off the, we paid off the house. And so that's what, and set a bunch aside for uncle Sam and, uh, yeah. The rest just went into the went into the pot and we kept gambling. Wow. <laughs> Is there a hierarchy amongst poker players? You know how some celebrities they think they know they're a professional poker player, but it's just yeah. that they have the money to play. Are you talking about video poker? Or yeah, poker? And, and and you know, gambling period. Probably talking about Texas Hold'em and stuff, I think. Right. Well, the there's big tournament players. Um, who've been on TV a lot, uh, Phil Ivey, uh, Phil Helm, Helmuth, a lot of other players, Daniel Negreanu, all of them all have been on Gambling with an Edge show, by the way. Uh, and so people have seen them on TV a lot, winning and losing on these events, and so they become celebrity. When you see somebody on TV, it you kind of think they're they're kind of special. So uh, the they in poker. You have to beat somebody to be good. and But there's a lot of what they call cash games, which are not televised. Cash games are where you sit around a table and you play. Now, some of them are really high stakes, and they're usually centered around a whale, where a whale would be somebody with a lot of, with more money than skill. And so the good players like to be able to get into a game with a, a bad whale. And because they're on average, they're expected to win, you know, fifty hundred thousand dollars tonight. Now, sometimes they lose, but on average, they have good nights. So being able to keep your welcome in those games in poker is extremely valuable. And so some of the ones on television have a harder time doing that because everybody knows they're good. And now some whales want to play against the best and they know it's going to cost them a million dollars to play. And that's fine with them. But a lot of people aren't like that. They want to pretend like they have a, a shot. So there are some other players who are pretty good. Uh, Barry Greenstein is one of them, or Eric Seidel, who uh, are very, very good at these games and have won bracelets, and but not they're mainly not tournament players. And so they're a little bit more under the radar, and they have they can get in these games. But that's totally not my game. I'm, I'm a video poker player, totally yeah. different, totally so different when game. You when you hit that uh, $400,000 Royal, how many cards did you draw? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I have a book, a million dollar video poker. I can look at the cover because we recreated it on there. <laughs> but, uh, I think it was a two card draw, meaning we held like That's ace, queen, jack of hearts and drew the other two. Filling in a two card draw is in uh, around numbers, thousand to one. If it's a three-card draw, it's 16,001, again, round numbers. If it's a four-card draw, my latest $100,000 Royal was a four-card draw, which is 178,000 to one round numbers. I can give you the more exact numbers, but nobody really cares. No. So um, so you've had to have hit like 1,000 Royals in your life, right? Yeah, well over 2,000. But yeah. uh, but I actually lost count on, you mentioned Vsin. They, um, Paulie and Mitch liked to 
estimate how many royals I've hit, and and I truly don't know. Partly because uh, if you're on hundred play, meaning a hundred hands at a time, and you're delta royal, that is that one royal or is that a hundred royals? Oh, yeah. And a case could be made that it's each one. And so Polly says, "Well, how can you uh, not know how many royal flushes are so exciting?" And I said, "Well, how many times have you had sex?" And uh, you know, he can't tell me because <laughs> not not only he won't tell me, but he can't tell me. I mean, even though it's yeah. exciting and fun, you just don't know. Right, uh, right, right. Unless you're 14 and it's three <laughs> or whatever the number is when you're 14. For me, it was zero. But uh, <laughs> now, if we go up to uh, seventeen, then I got some numbers. But uh, <laughs> uh, what's the highest payout right now in Vegas for? Is there any type of machines like those? I don't know what the the X one or something. Are there any like million dollar payouts for Royals or no? Well, Ultimate X is is a type of of game, but there are I know of a uh, twenty five dollar ten play machine. Which is a hundred, which is twelve fifty a hand. Where oh if you get dealt a royal, dealt royals are about uh, six hundred fifty thousand for one. Hmm. Then that's 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 an even million. So there are there are bigger games than that. But twelve hundred and fifty dollars a pull, twelve hundred fifty dollars yeah. a spin. Yeah, and every time you get your money back, it's a WTG. So there's that's a lot of them. So at the end of the evening, you may well have $600,000 worth of W2Gs if you play long. Oh what a nightmare for your accountant. Well, first of all, accountants get paid by the hour. Yeah, he's not complaining. <laughs> so, um, and you can do it. Now, I keep my stuff on an Excel spreadsheet. So uh, there, and at a casino like that, they would have an aggregate. So you just sign one piece of paper that says 625,000. Whereas it's a whole lot different than listing, you know, 12, 5,000, 10,000, list them all. Yeah. You just put the 625 in multi and you have a, uh, a piece of paper that if the, if you get audited and we do get audited, sometimes you can show the IRS that every W2G is in there, just pick one and we'll show it to you. Yeah. If you run really, really bad, how quick can you go through 50 grand? Well, what size game you play? If you're playing $1,250 a hand, probably two hours. Oh, okay. uh, two hours. <laughs> 50 <Ouch>. grand, Jeff. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe only an hour and a half. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. But it's, and partly it's, it's how fast can they pay you off? Or in this, in the case you're making, don't pay you off. But even on the, uh, the 1250 hand, like every other hand is going to be a taxable. Even and it doesn't really matter how many of the twelve fifty jackpots you get. It's how many of the half million dollar jackpots you get, or how many yeah. of the big ones you get. So you're going to get a lot of the little ones, but uh, whether or not you win or lose, it determines whether or not well, how how big your overall win is. Yeah. So this has been interesting, Jedi or Joe. Do you have anything else for Bob? I just want to be your protege, man. That's I know, right? Much it. That'd be great. <laughs> well. Well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that on BobDancer.com. There there are ten books, and uh, many are instructional as to how to play the game. There are two. Um, I created a new genre, and there are two video poker sex novels. So if you uh, if that's so video so sex lies in video <laughs> poker and more sex lies in video poker are more fun reads uh, than they are instruct you how to play video poker. There's also more than a thousand 
articles. I do a blog weekly and I've been doing it for more than 20 years. And so you can read those and the blogs are not in any particular order. I might write about a trip report of a casino I played at in Mississippi. I might write a, a gambling book that I just read. I might write about a, deuce, a particular hand in Deuces Wild and the next week a particular hand in Double Double Bonus. So it jumps from subject to subject to subject, whereas the books are more structured. And so for learning purposes, the books are much, much more useful than just reading the blogs. But the blogs are free to read and you can decide if my writing style is something that you can learn from or not. Do you have an example of a, um, say you're playing jacks or better, something that would come up where 90% of the people would throw away certain thing, but there's a correct way that you can tell us? Sure. Three, four, five of hearts, ace, king of spades. Now it's not 90%, but some people are going to hold the three, four, five of hearts. Some are going to hold the ace king. Those, I mean, they're going to be in two camps. It's there's nobody's going to hold the ace three. So, uh, you know, do you hold the hearts or do you hold the spades? And for some people, it's always a guess, and mm -hmm. other other of us know. So, it's not ninety percent, but it's. Uh, I mean, w w what would you hold? The three, four, five, or the ace king? Well, the ace king, a lot of the times you're just going to get your money back. So I, I always go for the big hit. I would hold the three, four, five of hearts. Well, the ace king could be a royal. Three, four, five is the better play in most games. What about three, four, six? That has a gap in there. It's a little bit harder to hit. So um, so there's 2.6 million different hands you can be dealt. Everyone has a correct play. There are a few ties, but everyone has a correct play. There are other more subtle ones where... You can start with a queen 10 of spades, an ace of hearts, and two little cards, say a five and a three. Sometimes it's right to hold the ace queen. Sometimes it's right to hold the queen 10, depending on the suits of the five and the three. Now, the five and the three, you're always going to throw them away. But if one of those five and three is the same suit as the queen 10, you're going to hold the ace queen. If neither of the suited it with the queen 10, you're going to hold the you're going to hold the queen 10. So that's what they call a flush penalty. And it is far beyond what most players consider. They're, they're, they're looking at the big cards. Right. And uh, some people hold all three, which is a terrible play. Mm -hmm. That's funny. So you, you see the suit, yeah, and you see like process elimination. If that could hurt your chance at something else. But, you know, the that's ace crazy. And even yeah. if the, the card is suited with the jack 10, you're still going to hold the jack 10 over the ace. So, I mean, there are some penalty card situations. And when you start to learn about them, you see penalty cards everywhere, even when they they don't matter. So, and the penalty cards for jacks are better or different than the ones for double bonus, mm -hmm. different than the ones for double, double, etc. Do you still have tough decisions or is every single, no matter what the combination, you know exactly what to do? Well, there's a mental recall. And so I got to remember which game I'm playing. So I'll frequently have a, a strategy card with me, but I usually don't. And so if I'm going back and forth between two and three and five games at different casinos kind of simultaneously uh, during the same week, I will have to focus on which game am I playing now. And so there, there is that. Yeah. Deuces Wild is like a totally different game than, than Jacks are Better. And there's maybe... 
40% of the hands are played differently in Deuces Wild mm -hmm. than they are in Jacks of Better. So it's a totally different mindset. There's no high cards in Deuces Wild. Um, three, uh, uh, final hand of three aces in Jacks of or final hand of four aces in Deuces Wild, it pays no more than four sevens or four threes or four fives. Whereas in most games with the word bonus in there, four aces pays a lot more than four threes. So uh, there are other games which are what they call progressives. Progressives mean you start out with a 4,000 coin royal and it goes up until it's hit. It goes to 4,100 and then 4,200 and then 4,500. And so it usually starts out at maybe 98%, but then when it gets up to 6,000, well, now it's 99%. When it gets up yeah. to uh, 8,000, now it's uh, 100%. And the plays change along the way. So you you go for royals more when the royal is high. Like mm -hmm. an ace 10, you basically never hold that when it's a 4,000 coin royal. But with an 8,000 coin royal, you do. Um, this, you know, more likely to hit it. It's one chance in 16,000, but one time you get 8,000 coins, the other time you only get 4,000. So they'll switch at a certain point. And so if I'm playing, I'm going, well, have we reached that point yet? Because mm -hmm. as I'm playing, it keeps going up. So the strategy that I'm using now is different than the one I used a half hour yeah. ago on a few hands, not many, but a few. So you squeeze every like bit of edge on every situation, huh? That's what he said. I, I try <laughs> yeah. to. And although when I'm walking along, I'll no longer reach down and pick up a penny. Um, I certainly used to all the time. Yeah. Now um, my back reminds me that I'm an old man sometimes. Yeah. And my doctor says there's nothing wrong with my back. And I say my doctor's a quack. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, so there are things i let go more mm -hmm. than i used to i don't fight for it used to be when we would stay in hotel rooms um we'd make sure all the toilet paper and all the kleenexes and all the shampoos came back in our luggage with us and <laughs> we don't do that as much anymore but if if we have a 50 dollars comp in a restaurant it is rare that we're going to spend less than 48 dollars uh <laughs> even even if we have to bring stuff home the uh there's just no way that we're going to use this 50 dollars comp and end up with it a 12 dollars meal it's just right. not it's, it's against my religion to do that yeah so if you um, could live your life over again would you change anything i like what i've done at gambling and i probably still be married to the first lady I was married to because she's basically a decent woman and the reason I we broke up were immaturity and so you kind of over time you you learn to accept a certain number of imperfections in uh, in other people and uh, there are things more important than uh, than gaining a few pounds or um, you know farting too much after dinner or whatever or whatever else the little things <laughs> But overall, I'm happy with my life, with the books I've written and the blogs and stuff and the podcast. I think I've left footprints behind me that I'm proud of. So um, I think I've done okay. Nice. So um, yeah, I think that just about does it. Definitely check out Gambling with an Edge, the podcast. And where else can they find you? Uh, well, certainly BobDancer.com. On GamblingWithanEdge.com, you can get, there's, I don't know, 500 and some 
episodes, podcast episodes. That's 10 years of the show that are all archived there. And along with a a thousand or so of my blogs. And so there's other authors there too, who are on bobdancer.com or on gamblingwithanedge.com. And so if you want to get in touch with me, bobdancerlasvegas at yahoo.com. I do respond to polite emails. I'm not looking mm-hmm. for a pen pal. <laughs> um, I'm not looking for a uh, a free lunch somewhere so you can pump my brain for two hours for yeah on a price of a comp dinner. But uh, but I do respond to polite emails. Uh, yeah, you, you responded to me. Cool. We have all your information. Thanks for coming on. That was uh, that was awesome. Yeah, thank and, you uh, for I'm definitely coming gonna... on, Bob. I'm definitely going to check out the podcast. Good. Please do. Good luck with your podcast. All right. Thanks. Thank you. you. The end is here, Mortz, for Crimes, Conspiracies, and Beyond. Many thanks to professional gambler Bob Dancer for sharing his life and secrets on our show. Uh, Remember, knowledge is power, especially in gambling. Ta-ta now. Thank you.